What's going on, FA Nation? Like it or not, we're back. It's the Family Times Podcast on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with my buddies, John and Pemba and Matt Sells. Boys, what's going on? How's your week? It's going uh, it's going all right. I was in a weird spot on Monday night. You two did the radio, the radio show Monday night. Obviously, a Jets fan and a Patriots fan on opposite sides there. I was in a weird spot rooting for the Patriots to win so the Jets could still have a shot at the number one pick. As we all know, they're going to screw that up in April. So I don't even know why I'm rooting for that anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, do- I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, we had a watch last Monday's game. Patriots, Jets, I agree with you. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Uh, would have much as rather have had them lose, but it was a game for uh, who wanted to lose more. You know, I said uh, Joe Flacco <laughs> – uh, and the Jets there, the Jets, I think, took an intentional uh, uh, 12-man penalty to make the Patriots get the first down and probably have to score the touchdown there. That's uh, the smartest thing Adam Gase has done in three and, years. And then on that final drive where the Jets had a chance to drive down the field and get a field goal, uh, that sack that, that Flacco took, watch the replay. He was just looking around for somebody to sack him. He was standing in the pocket. He was just like, who can I sort of drift towards that can get a hand on me? Uh, and then he went down. He had zero interest. Yeah, it was uh, like Favre taking the sack for Strahan to set oh, a single-season yeah, record yet. <laughs> you know, I will say this. One takeaway I do have from that amazing planes. I, you know, Sells, I don't know if you know this by now, but I refuse to call them the J-word until they win a game. So they are the What about plane. the hockey team? Okay, well, they're, no, they could be the Winnipeg Jets are fine, but the New York Plains are the New York Plains until they win a game, if they win a game, and that will go right into next year as well. So hope no one gets confused. But one player that stood out, and this player won me some free Chipotle, at least two meals worth, Jacoby freaking Myers. Guys, I love betting props. I love betting props better than betting spreads. And a prop that I saw... And my book with just, it it looked like a layup. It pretty much, when I saw this prop, it was like, bet me, bet me. And it was Jacoby Myers over three and a half receptions. And Peba, that's the biggest layup going. Yeah, that was a great prop pick. Like I said, I had the uh, over carries for Frank Gores, over nine and a half, which I thought uh, was, you know, he he had over 10 in three straight games. Patriots run defense is one of the worst in football. I figured they were just going to run the football there. He had five carries on the first drive, finished, I think, 13 carries on the night, hit the prop over. It was, it was pretty easy uh, to hit that one. The Myers one, too, uh, super cheap. And I almost – I didn't have the guts to do it. I had bet the Devontae Adams first touchdown uh, for the Thursday night game, and it hit. And I wanted to do Cam Newton first touchdown, plus 700. Didn't pull the trigger. Of course, he runs in the touchdown. That's going to get in the game. Guys, and this is where I want to ask you both this because – over the last few weeks, and I know matchups change, but I know, and it's excluding their Thursday night game, but before that, I was stacking Rodgers and Adams, and I know it's getting more and more expensive on DFS, but I can't quit that stack, guys. I want to do it until it burns me. I just feel like it's one of the safest floor stacks you can have because you know how good Rodgers has been, and Devontae Adams easily will get double-digit targets once again. I almost feel like the only way I lose out on this stack in cash is if someone gets hurt. I can't quit it no matter how expensive it is. What do you guys think about that? I mean, they're playing the Jaguars this week, so it's not like it's a challenging opponent. The Jaguars' defense ranks either dead last or next to last, depending on what stat you're looking at, like dead last in DVOA, 
second to last in yards per game allowed, second to last in yards per play allowed. Uh, their pass defense allows 8.4 pass yards per attempt. That's heinous. By the way, that's second worst in the league as well. So, yeah, the only way Devontae Adams doesn't get catches is if they're up by 40, like, up by 40 points in the first half and they just run it the rest of the way because they don't really feel like scoring 60 or 70 points. So, yeah, I I have no problem with stacking Rodgers and Devontae Adams still. I mean, no, no, it's, why it's, not? Yeah, it's a great matchup. Like you said, the problem now is you have to find the uh, find the guys, the cheap guys around. Um, you know, Devontae Adams being $9,000, and then, you know, you have Rodgers sitting there at 7900 Those aren't cheap. And, you know, while there's definitely one obvious value play this week in Mike Davis, uh, you know, with Christian McCaffrey not playing at 4K, uh, you know, the rest of uh, to fit in, a, you know, what I think is at least a competitive-looking lineup gets a little tough. Uh, early builds that I have does include just Devontae Adams, though. I don't have the stack there. I'd rather just get the three touchdown catches uh, out of him and, and look out square quarterback. Guys, I want to admit something that you might call me an idiot, and feel free. Adam Ronis calls me an idiot at least two times during Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM, and that's I didn't realize this, guys, and that I was looking at some values on DraftKings and I just, I wanted one page where I had just all the value. So I went, actually just signed into a contest that includes every single game from Thursday on. I didn't realize that the pricing wasn't uniform because if you go into a contest that's Thursday all the way through, Mike Davis is 6,700. And Adam Ronis and I were like, Adam Ronis like, dude, what are you talking about? He's 4,000. I'm like, bro, like, and I literally said on the air, check your phone. And while you're checking your phone, I'm going to tell you about the Black Friday special on Fantasy Alarm. But guys, I guess I never realized that on DraftKings, there's no uniform pricing. It's Mike Davis is 6,700 if you include all the games, 4,000 if you just do the main slate. I never knew that. Mind blown. Yeah, it pricing, seems, pricing definitely differs uh, through slates. We see it in showdowns. We see it in uh, you know early only slates. We see you know they they definitely vary it up uh, for sure. But it does seem interesting to me that he's cheaper on the main slate than he is when you add in an extra what three games, right? Because you're getting the Thursday game, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game on the all game slate, whereas just the Sunday main slate doesn't have the Sunday night game on it either it's just a one in four o'clock game so that does seem pretty interesting that he's twenty seven hundred dollars more in a bigger player pool i don't Um, i don't have the actual information in front of me but i know that they typically release main slate um tournaments or contests you know earlier uh usually when rosters lock so it's possible that the thursday full slate hadn't been created yet, and it gave them time to react to the likely news of McCaffrey not playing. That's the only thing I can think of there. Yeah, that's possible, I guess, is that the Thursday main, the Thursday full slate wasn't wasn't up for whatever reason. But that's that is still pretty interesting. That it's that big of a price jump. Like, yeah, twenty seven hundred bucks is not a small chunk of change. No, not at all. I mean, four thousand is a great value here, and which is going to make them a hundred percent play. Right, exactly. And that's that's just the weird thing. So again, that's just shows that even us in the space, we learn something new every day. And it's a good thing that we're talking DFS because some of you unfortunately might be out 
of your season-long fantasy football leagues. And now it's time to get in and play DFS. And that's why FantasyAlarm.com has the tools that you can use to succeed. And not only that, but we have the people that can help you as well. And they're not robots. They're real people. They're not a machine. They're men and women. We all help you so you can win that DFS title. But shifting over to season-long here, because, guys, I and I don't know how it works in most leagues, but it just seems like the trade deadline is just about to pass here in week 10. And I think it's time we go over some trading strategies here because we can start with this. My number one trade strategy that I talk about all the time is don't trade out of desire. Trade out of need. You don't get rewarded any extra. I'm not impressed when you say, I made eight trades just for the sake of it. That doesn't impress me one bit. Tell me about a foundation you built that has been safe and secure most of the season. And that's what impresses me, guys. I am very much into the fact of trade out of need, not desire. Oh, for sure. I There are plenty of people in the FA chat and on Twitter and all over the place that, come, that, that ask me, like, hey, well, what do you think about these deals? And I'm like, well, you're literally just swapping running backs and wide receivers for names you might find more appealing, but really have no extra added value to the guys that you already have on your roster. So, yeah, if you're going to make a trade, A, don't swap players of the same position. Unless you're doing a twofer and one of you is getting a better wide receiver and the other is getting a better running back, and then the other one is just an even, you know, to make it even. But don't go, like, running back for running back and just swap names that you find more appealing because that makes literally no sense. So, yes, you at this point, you should be tra- – well, not just at this point, but you should always be trading out of need and not just want. And if you're just doing it to bulk up your roster, there's still ways you should do it to add depth to your roster and do it out of need and not just, hey, let's go pick on the last place guy and see if we can't take his best player. Like, it should be for a strategic depth. Like, you have, for example – Week 13 bye weeks coming up for Carolina and Tampa Bay looked a whole lot more threatening at the beginning of the season than they do right now, given the injuries and how some of those teams have played. But still, you know, getting a big-name guy that can fill in on one of those bye weeks isn't just getting a big-name guy. It's helping you bolster your roster for your league. Might be in playoffs at that point. You might need that win to clinch maybe a first-round bye or to get into the playoffs. So, that's generally how I'm approaching trading. Yeah, for me, it's more, it's a lot of what you guys have said, but it's also uh, just because someone sends you a trade offer, you don't need to feel obligated to make a trade with them, right? Like, yeah, sure, somebody might be, you know, interested in a player on your team, but you don't have to make a trade work with them because they're showing interest in getting a guy off your roster. If you're comfortable with what you have or that player doesn't, that team doesn't really have anybody that is a clear, uh, you know, a clear improvement on your roster. Don't feel the need to go back and forth with them and get a deal done so they get the player that they want. You know, like, you know, there are a lot of times where someone's like, oh, you know, so-and-so proposed this trade to me, and I don't really know. And I'm like, well, yeah, then don't do the deal. There's no reason for you. You're not obligated to make a trade because someone chose you to make a deal with. So uh, that's, that's another, you know, you know, we're, we're not at the, the family table yet, but that's one of the uh, the things that I'll uh, I'll present middle of the show to everybody there. Uh, you're not forced to make a trade just because someone's trying to trade with you. 
And that leads right into my next strategy, John. It's just perfect. You're teeing me up like I'm Griffey in the home run derby. And that next one is don't waste my freaking time. There's this thing where there people will start a trade negotiation by sending you a crappy, cruddy, lopsided trade that no way in a thousand years you would accept. And when you wonder why someone would waste the time and notification to your inbox, because we don't get enough emails as it is, why you would just say, hey, let me just send you this trade that you're going to reject. And then the answer to that is, well, a negotiation has to start somewhere. Stop with that. Stop with that. Don't waste my freaking time. I'm not, if I'm trading out of need, I need a position. Don't waste my time with two crappy trade offers. You don't have to dominate me though. You want to beat me in the deal. And that's something we're going to talk about next. If you want to beat me in the deal, that's fine. As long as I'm filling a need, but don't waste my freaking time. You know what I'm talking about cells? Yeah. I got a trade offer this past week in a home league and I'm not sure that the guy paid attention to my roster before he made the deal because part of the deal was Tom Brady. So off the bat, that sounds okay. Tom Brady's been pretty decent, right? Not great, but pretty decent. He's had some good weeks, not last week, but pretty decent weeks most of the time. Well, if you had looked at my roster, you would have seen I already have Roethlisberger and Stafford, who are serviceable. Yes, Stafford was coming off the COVID list, but Big Ben was... Fine last week to play the, the Cowboys. Now he's on the COVID list, so we'll have to watch that. But I still have Stafford. I don't need a third quarterback. And he only wanted one guy back, and he was giving me two guys. So I would have been forced to drop another guy, which I didn't even have depth for. So, like, what do we decide? I don't know. Out of the courtesy, I looked at his roster to see if there was a counter I could actually make. I was like, no, there's no place... Any position that you need, I can't give up. And any position that I need, you can't give up. And I don't need a third quarterback. The reason why he was offering that to me is because he had Kyler Murray as the starting quarterback. So I'm like, good for you. But, like, I don't need Tom Brady to take up a spot on my bench for for no reason here. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I feel you. I get a lot of these similar trade offers in our – uh, late night a listener uh, freaks league there, as, as, as you have gone over before <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, and I continue to receive them. I won't call out this individual, but uh, currently looking at my inbox, I'm trading away Keenan Allen and Evan Ingram and getting back Amari Cooper, who's on a bye, <laughs> and John U. Smith. Why? Well, okay, hold on. In fairness, at least John U. Smith catches balls and Evan Ingram doesn't. That's not true. Evan Ingram's <laughs> outscored John U. Smith almost all season, except for. Like, I know. I'm just saying, weeks. like, Evan Ingram's had a history of dropping passes, is all I was saying. I know Ingram yeah, well, is still a better yes, tight end. That, that is true. Evan Ingram has had. He's still a better fantasy tight end than John U. Smith, though. So. Yeah. And, like, listen, I understand if you're looking at the fantasy point production, you know, it, it's, it's close, it's even if you're looking for total fantasy points on the year. But if you're looking at recent production, it's really not. not like, even close. It's not it's not close at all. Johnny Smith 
over the last three weeks has 17 fantasy points. Well, Evan Ingram's got double that amount, and Keenan Allen's got more fantasy points than Amari Cooper. So, and by the way, Johnu Smith lucked into six of those on a touchdown that I'm not even sure was supposed to go to him <laughs> a week or two ago. Right. Uh, so that's really Ingram, only like a. What, what do we see, Fenty? Ingram is third in tar- tight end targets. I believe it's third or fourth right now in tight end targets for the entire year. Like that's what we're talking about. I believe it's Kelsey Waller. And then it's Evan Engram. Here, right. let me check. I'll go to the FA volume report. And that's, by the way, while you're checking that, this is another sub rule that I'm glad that we're bringing up here. If you're negotiating with someone that's under 500, no disrespect, John, but you're this is a good example. If you're negotiating with someone under 500 at this point in the season, don't trade them someone that's on a buy this week. They're playing for the week. They're, yep. they're likely not going to take it because they just need to survive. Their season's on the line. They need their players to play. And by the way, you are correct. Evan Ingram is third behind Waller and Kelsey. Kelsey's at 80 targets. Waller's at 71. Ingram's at 64. And then Dalton Schultz and Jimmy Graham are tied with 55 apiece. But by the way, Evan Ingram's got two back-to-back 10-target weeks. Yes. And by the way, you're going to stick with that as well because Daniel Jones is not going to have a lot of time. And that's why when it comes to – and I know he was on the watch list originally, and that's where I respectfully disagree with Howard Bender. I'm not going near Darius Slayton. you got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah, Yeah. as a Darius Slayton owner this year, it has not worked out. Every time I've had him on my bench is the good weeks I've gotten from him, which is like maybe three. And then every time I'm either forced to play him because – uh, Michael Thomas and or Kenny Galladay and or somebody else has been out. Um, you know, there was a week, I think, all three, because DK Metcalf was on by, Galladay missed, and then Thomas missed, and that was a disaster of a week. Um, he just hasn't shown up. He hasn't done anything, even against terrible defenses. He can't find his way open right now. So uh, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not playing Darius Slayton. No, not in DFS. Not in no, DFS. It's Shepard came back, and I said this uh, last week as well. Uh, with Shepard back, he is the number one receiver in that offense. Uh, and then you're dealing with Ingram, who's getting you know almost double digit targets a game. So uh, Slayton is having a hard time getting his share. Uh, and as Howard uh, Bender pointed out in the Fantasy Alarm Show, I think it was on Tuesday um, that I did with him, or yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Uh, that the offensive line with the Giants is so bad that Slayton doesn't have really time to get downfield and get open because Jones can't throw the football. So Right, that's what his role in that offense is. He's the big play downfield guy. Like right. Shepard is the underneath possession type receiver, as is Ingram. And then Slayton, if you can hit him for a big play, that's what Darius Slayton is usually there for. So, um, And the Eagles, by the way, have actually been pretty decent against wide receivers this year in terms of points allowed against the position so far, they rank 20th in terms of most allowed. So they're in the bottom third of the league in terms of tough matchups. So doesn't look like a great <laughs> matchup for Darius Slayton again. John, while we're on tight ends, I want to address a tweet that you put out. I believe it was, man, all these days are clumped together. I believe it was earlier. It was, it was earlier. Yeah, earlier Wednesday, yeah. So yeah. you put out a tweet about Mike Gesicki. And I Please, been- God, let it be right. Okay, so I feel like I'm in the I've been in the boat pretty much by myself. I mean Andrew Cooper's there too. When I saw Andrew Cooper, our tight end whisperer, say that with Isaiah Ford now shipped off to the Patriots, that Gasecki is not gonna split slot snaps anymore. 
That to me was dollar signs because this tight end position has been so hard to track this year. But John, you put out now with no Preston Williams, this guy has to get more action. Dude, it's either Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, Matt Breida, no, or not even it. He's been he's been banged up. Bro, I'm with you. How can't Kasicki get involved at this point? Yeah, I, I really don't understand it. If you look at the point in which Preston Williams got hurt last year uh, to Gasicki's uh, success in that offense, uh, he basically never saw less than like six targets a game. Uh, only like one or two games of that actually end up happening. But, you know, at least six targets pretty much from week five on, uh, you know, which is more than we're seeing from him now. Now, of course, different quarterback, a little bit of a different offense different players, but I mean, like what we're seeing is two primary competitors for targets are now out. You know, they said they shipped Ford who was sharing the slot saps and Williams was number two in targets. Now he's gone. You know, Parker's always going to be the number one there, but who else is supposed to be stealing targets from him now? Is it like you said, Jerkeen Grant, is it going to be Antonio Antonio Callaway if he gets activated from his Uh, suspension or whatever? I mean, it, it just seems to make too much sense that finally Gasicki gets the opportunity to be the player that we all hoped he would have been when we drafted uh, this year. So I said, if he doesn't do it now, you just have to give up on him. I know a lot of people already had given up on him. So I said, check your waiver wire. If he's sitting out there, given how dreadful the tight end position has been this year, pick him up now, add him to your roster. You don't need to start him this week. You can, if you have, if you, if you're kind of wishy-washy, you know, I've seen a lot of people ask Johnny Smith or Mike Gesicki. That's exactly start. my boat. That's I've said exactly start. I've boat. said start Mike Gesicki over John New Smith. I mean, uh, I think that's a that's a thing that I would play this week, and you know, see what happens. They're facing the Chargers. Haven't been a strong defense uh, this year, so give it, give it a go and and hope Gesicki gets those opportunities. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for opportunities. Soon enough, the Dolphins are going to have to find a way to bring back Brian Hartline at this point. They're yes. getting very, very desperate yeah, at yeah, this that's point. A that's that's a name pull. Yes. That's a name pull. Yeah. Like, seriously, that's what it's coming down to with these Dolphins. So I'm with you, John, and that's why I'm staying in. People are like, can you give it a rest with Gisicki? No, I can't. These tight ends suck, and I'm looking for any opportunity possible. I'm pimping Evan Engram, for Christ's sake. It's an unbelievable thing. Boys, let's get right to what we're bringing to the family table. Let's go around and pick maybe two things each this week, guys, that we're bringing to the family table. What we do is now, for those that forgot, we just bring something. It could be anything we want because we are the family. You're with us at the family table. Let us bring stuff to the table for you because that's what it's all about here with the family on fantasyalarm.com. So Mr. Sells, you're going to lead off. You're sitting at the head of the table, Ben. So what are you bringing on first? What I'm going to do is I'm going to switch sports here for a second. And I'm going to say, you know, it's starting to get time to pay attention to a little bit of baseball movement. There's been some free agent movement, some qualifying offers extended, some managers have been hired, which changes the complexion of how a team plays. So two teams that sucked last year, the Tigers, and sorry to say it, John, but your Red Sox, both hired World Series winning managers this week. So pay attention. It's you know never too early to really start digging in a little bit on on baseball research because those drafts will be coming faster than you think they will. Also pay attention to if the DH sticks around for 2021 in the NL, because that will again, shift the way teams build lineups. It will shift 
free agents. Like, for example, Marcelo Zuna really should be playing DH. And if the NL has DH, that opens 15 more spots for him to go, you know, play DH. So that's what I would say, you know, if you're not really in the playoffs at this point, keep your eye on football so you don't just, like, put out there a bunch of bye-ridden and injury-ridden lineups. But if you're gearing up for baseball, now's a pretty decent time to start paying attention to some some baseball movement and see what happens uh, with some signings and, and uh, movement there. There you go. There you go. So never too early to start preparing. And especially now when you want to get with our baseball analysts on the site, now's the time to do so. Yeah, also Greg Jewett just published the F, the free agent tracker for perfect. this offseason. So, Hot stove season, baby. Let's yep. go. Let's go. It's all about, hey, key to 2020. Stay one step ahead of the game and COVID-19. John and Pemba, what are you bringing to the table? Yeah, I'm bringing the table and something that, uh, you know, last week uh, I was going over DFS example lineups with uh, Howard Bender. And we were discussing, you know, how to approach making them. Uh, and he initially didn't have Dalvin Cook in his lineups. And to me, I thought that was... Uh, a bad idea, right? And, and I kind of talked him back in uh, to getting Dalvin Cook, and he wasn't sure because of the price tag. And, you know, it almost goes to what we said about Devontae Adams. And, and you roll with the guys that are scoring the points consistently, especially when they're in smash spots. You know, these are elite players that are getting the volume. You're not chasing points like we were earlier with a guy like Chase Claypool. Like Dalvin Cook has consistently, when healthy, got the football 20-plus times a game, giving us 30-plus fantasy points and like, four of the last five in which he's been healthy um, and monster outputs at that. So what I'm bringing to the table here is don't ignore the studs when they're in smash bots. Put them in your lineups. Build your lineups around them. Don't try to get too cute and be like, oh, you know, I could play player A, but everybody will. I'll try to play player B and be a little bit different. No, don't be different there. Be different with the other guys you're building around them and try to get your, you know, DJ Chark at 2% last week play him with Dalvin Cook instead of playing Derrick Henry instead of Dalvin Cook, right? Like, play right. the studs and be different with the lineup builds around them. Yep, and I know everybody wants to think, hey, how am I going to win the big Millie maker? Is It's being different. It's having the one guy it's that actually no one's not, though. It's not. It's not. Because what? if you look at the ownership of the guy that won the Millie maker, I don't think there was a guy under 10% owned right. on his lineup. It's about, you know, yeah, 10% played is lower than like obviously 40 percent. we're not saying he did he had, he had gabriel davis which was the, which oh, okay. was the low guy the uh, low guy and that's yeah. probably because he just needed a roster filler and took a shot and it worked out right, on and that happened but one some... guy out of nine at less than 10 or 15 yeah. percent played that's fine and that guy still won the millie maker it's not like his entire lineup was nine percent or below right so play the guys that are going to get the points and let it ride. I'm with you on that too. And there's something, there's a strategy, always start your studs. And I'm glad you said that, John, because people overthink it because you have to win the Millie. First of all, if you're a new player, don't enter the Millie maker. Don't do oh, it. That guy single entered it, but that's a rarity. And, and that's a rarity. And and I'll be honest with you, when I'm entering the Millie maker, I do it once a year. I put one lineup in there. Yep. That's it. Because you know why? When I pay for that entry fee, I don't want to pay it out of pocket. I want to pay it from my winnings in my 50-50s. I want to pay it for my winnings in my single entry cash Use game. Those crowns. Yes, that's a <laughs> that's my reward. I get one lineup once a year in the Millie Maker. 
So that is how I handle it. That's not what I'm bringing to the table, but the one thing I am bringing to the table, I'm going to actually bring two things to the table, guys, before we wrap here on the caboose here. Number one, NBA is coming up. We are going to smash with NBA. We are going to be ready with NBA. We are going to dominate NBA. That season-long crowd, I know it's not that big. I'm not stupid. At the same time, you're part of the family. You're there. You're going to be ready to go, and we're going to have those cheat sheets, and we are going to do a whole lot of fun, and we are going to make sure that we have that audio to go with it. So if you don't understand our articles, sometimes things could be complex. We're going to be there for you to help out. Fantasy basketball season long is one of my favorite things in the entire world, and it nothing makes me happier than to be able to help all of you as we do, and I'm so damn excited for it. The other thing I'm going to bring to the table very quickly, guys, and this goes back to trades. Here's the thing with the trades. You don't have to win the trade on paper. That is such – in fantasy football, fantasy football specifically, you can give up the better player. Because you know what? What happens if you're so stacked at receiver, you start two receivers, and you've got three guys on the bench? It's possible with the way we drafted. You can have guys like Tyler Boyd on your bench, DK Metcalf even, on your bench. Trade from the position of strength, and don't worry if you're giving up the better player. Sometimes you have to do that to fill a need, and especially if you're trading a wide receiver for a running back, that's more than likely not to. That's more than likely to happen. And on the other side of it too, it's okay to not give up the best player in the deal. It's fine to give up the best player in the deal as long as you are fulfilling a need that you know will build you that bridge with your depth. So don't be deterred. If you want a piece, go get it. Don't let yourself get completely fleeced, but don't be afraid to lose a trade on paper because you're not losing the trade. You're winning the trade. You're fulfilling a need. It's fantasy football. There's a finite amount of games. You don't have a lot of experimentation. And guys, we can end it by saying, and you can tell me if I you agree or disagree, but that is something I try to really thump into people's skulls. Yeah, there's so much competitiveness out there that everybody has to win every trade right here's the thing if you win every trade eventually your team your your league mates aren't going to trade with you right because they know they're going to get the fleeced end of the deal and then you're going to go well where'd everybody go well that's because you're not a fair trader right and you have to know the constraints of your roster fensty pointed it out and in my home league i have kenny galladay dk metcalf michael thomas and we can only play two wide receivers in a flex so if one of those guys is in flex, that means I'm sitting one of, when healthy, Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, or David Johnson at running back because I can only play two running backs. So you've got to know your roster constraints when you make a trade and you're trying to win it by, ooh, if I get Tyreek Hill, it'll be fantastic. Okay, but then that means you're going to have to sit one of your other three stud running or wide receivers. So what's the point of making that trade just to get another exactly. big name? You're not playing in an actual NFL lineup where you can play five big name wide receivers at the same time. That's not what's happening here. You have roster constraints. Right. And, and that's just the way it goes. So don't be afraid to lose that trade on paper. Follow Matt Sells at the Salesman on Twitter. Follow at follow John and Pemba at JMPemba777. Follow your boy Justin Fensterman at Fensty Sports. Family Times on FantasyAlarm.com. A family that sticks together wins together. We dominate no other option. We just win.